This is Equip and Engage, a podcast by Subsplash, exploring how ministry, technology, and innovation come together to equip churches around the world to engage their communities. Hey, welcome to Equip and Engage. My name is Chris, part of the team here at Subsplash, and I'm really excited to take us into a new and limited series called See the Good. Over the next several weeks, we'll be having interviews with leaders and pastors to really hear about stories where they are seeing the good in their community and their surroundings and in the world, despite really unprecedented circumstances around the globe. Today, we're kicking this off with a conversation I'm really excited about. I'm joined by Jeremy Valoran from Rescue Freedom International. Jeremy, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, this is great. So glad we can start our series this way. Um, And I already know a little about what you're going to share, and I'm so pumped on it. So thanks for being here. I'd love just to kick us off before we jump into some questions about, um, you know, specifically what's going on in the world right now. Just hearing a little bit about you and the community you're part of, the organization that you lead. Yeah, you bet. So Rescue Freedom International is an anti-human trafficking nonprofit uh, that works specifically to combat sexual exploitation in the United States and around the world. So we've been around for about eight years and we're fighting slavery in 20 countries around the world. And our, our goal is both to set people free who are in slavery and to give them the pathway to a new life, uh, a new future, the opportunity to sort of create their own story, but then also to go upstream and to address kind of some of the root causes. And and, um, so that that can be both on the prevention side of how do we prevent the most vulnerable who are sort of on the fast track into exploitation? How do we prevent them from ending up in slavery in the first place? And then also addressing some of the demand of why, why is it that there are people who are wanting to exploit others? You know, human trafficking is one of those unique issues that's completely man-made. It exists because people perpetrate and because they perpetuate it. And so how do we stop that cycle before it even begins? Man, that's really just a a comprehensive look at the entire entire problem. That's awesome to see how you guys are really approaching that from every possible angle. And are you based here in Seattle area? Is that right? Yep. So our headquarters is here in Seattle. Um, and we've got team members scattered. Uh, we got a small office in Washington, D.C. and team members scattered around the world. But uh, Seattle, Washington is HQ. Yeah, nice. I love that we're connecting this way, just a few miles from one another. And yet with things the way they are, it's on, it's on a video call instead. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Crazy how that works. The, new, the new world here. Well, I know you have some great stories to share. So I'd love to open it up just by hearing where you are seeing the good in your surroundings and in the world right now. Yeah. Well, I love that. I love the heart behind that and and what you what you're doing with this series cuz obviously it's a really heavy time culturally. I mean, for us yeah, here our office is actually based in Kirkland, Washington, which was kind of ground zero in the United States um, yeah, for the COVID right. outbreak and there was a a, a home there um, where a nursing home where there were, I think the first 20 people in the United States before people had been infected in most other States, we had 20 deaths within two miles of our office. And so it's, it's felt really heavy here in our, in our town and obviously now all over the country, but we are seeing a lot of hope amidst, amidst this uh, climate and this context. And, and one of those areas that we just wouldn't have kind of known to expect, um, and obviously the world was caught off guard by this, this global pandemic, but is seeing that what, what ended up happening with all these, you know, closures of non-essential businesses and all the quarantines and stay home orders that almost overnight all over the world, every major brothel and red light district in the world was closed 
literally almost overnight. I mean, within a few day period, as it rippled around and countries started to crack down that, you know, in most countries, even if they sort of embrace or turn a blind eye to prostitution, um, in most of these places, a brothel is not an essential business. And so almost overnight, all of these, I mean, we, the one, one city where we're at where thousand, over a thousand brothels were closed like that. And wow. in most instances, the traffickers were home on quarantine. And so literally tens of thousands of women and children sort of set free almost instantly. And so it's given us, I mean, a once in a lifetime opportunity to act. Now, the, the challenge is most of those people have nowhere to go. They were trafficked into red light areas. They have no other yeah. way to make money, That's right. um, no other source of food or income. So it, it's a great need. But, you know, we've dreamed for a decade about what would the world look like if we could close all the brothels? And all of a sudden now it's like, well, now the question is, what do we do when they close all the brothels? What do we do? Yeah, that's insane. Such a, a crazy turn of events. I don't know who possibly could have anticipated that, but wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been, you know, I think the, the, the other, the other component that we've seen that's been really encouraging is, you know, I think probably like many who are listening, whether it's in the nonprofit world or in the church ministry world, Mm. where when something like this happens, everybody's like, okay, what does this mean for like our own survival? What does this mean for our people going to still donate? Are people still going to give, uh, and, you know, like probably many who are listening, like our work depends on people's generosity and on donations. And one of the things that is just been so encouraging is to see that in the face of crisis, when people have every excuse to turn inward and to be completely consumed by their own difficulties and challenges and mourning and, you know, the business challenges or organizational challenges, that something about our communities, I, I mean, I've seen Americans rally in ways that have just been so encouraging towards generosity yeah. of people saying, yeah, I might be hurting and maybe I can't give what I thought I was going to, but I, I don't want to give up. I don't want to disengage. I don't want to just turn inward. Yeah. So that's been something that's been super encouraging is seeing the way that people in the face of this crisis have said, how do we advocate for each other? How do we serve our neighbors? Yeah. How do we serve the causes we care about? It's just been really wildly encouraging to see. Yeah. Totally. That's really, really special. Well, I, I'd love to hear you even answer that question that you posed yourself, which is, you know, you asked if we could close all the brothels overnight, then wouldn't that be amazing? And now the question is, okay, what do we do? Right? So yeah. how are you sort of changing and adapting to navigate this new norm? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, that's uh, for us has been a really exciting component to say, you know, one of the things that's interesting in the nonprofit sector generally is you know some studies I've read say that the average nonprofit out there spends less than one percent of their budget on innovation and research and development, wow. whereas the average corporation that survives and can endure throughout time spends typically like twenty-five to thirty-three percent, yeah. somewhere in that range, on innovation. And part of the reason that happens is because a lot of times it's it can be driven both from the nonprofit side but also from the donor side is. A lot of donors, they, you know, one of the questions we get a lot is like, okay, what could you do for $100? Or, you know, if, if it's an organization that does feeding programs, people say, well, how many meals can I provide with X amount? Yeah. It's, it's a lot of times we're wired to want to give to that surefire thing of like, I just want to know what the return is on this dollar. Sure. Right. And yeah, there's nothing right. wrong with that. But the challenge is innovation is in, uh, inherently murky uh, when it yeah. comes to like, you know, it's rare to have a donor come to you and say, okay, what's that crazy project that could totally flop, but if it succeeds, could be really transformational. Oh man. Right? Like that's every nonprofit person's dream to hear yeah. those words. <laughs> uh, well, the thing about in the face of a crisis, the appetite for innovation and risk skyrockets. 
because very few people would expect you in, in the face of a pandemic that's never you know encountered any living human pretty much except for maybe a few centennials out there that were alive in 19 you know 18 for the spanish flu or whatever but you know by and large most are saying let's the whole world was caught off guard and so there's this huge appetite as as everybody's trying new things i mean you know whether that's businesses or even the government and you look at every state's trying something new so one of the exciting things is to be in a position where your whole community is saying like innovate 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 they're like cheering you on to take risks to try new things and we're looking saying look we we have this unprecedented opportunity so we've had a lot of people just kind of lean in with us and say okay like what does that look like we're launching feeding programs all over the world because there's so many women and children fleeing brothels with no food yeah. And so it's like, okay, right. that's, that's the frontline need is let's, let's provide food for these women and children. And then we've started launching emergency shelters. We, we first filled pretty much every available bed we had in our network across wow. 20 countries. Yeah, but I'm then sure. to say, okay, let's open an emergency shelter and we'll just start with a, let's find a building we can sign a three month lease on and just say, we don't know how long this is going to last yep. and what the, the time horizon. But so from, from that side, it's really exciting to me. I came out of the corporate world. Um, where there was that higher appetite and again, an expectations that you're going to spend a chunk of your budget on innovation and research and development. And so to be in a sector now where, where people are saying, yes, like we, we believe in innovation. We want to encourage it. Let's take risks. Let's adapt. Let's meet the needs real time. There just seems to be a real acceleration right now. Yeah, man, that is just remarkable. I'm really encouraged you guys are able to just pivot in that way. And it sounds like so much of that is still unfolding, still being figured out. Right. Yeah. But it's, man, the way that you, you're all hustling to make that happen and meet this need is really encouraging to me. Oh, thanks. Well, I'm, I'm curious what you think might be the, the long-term positive impact of this sudden change and the way that the world is responding in crisis. Uh, what do you think it's going to look like, not just uh, a few months from now, a year from now, but what's the long-term impact of all this? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think, you know, I think on a few fronts um, that we're seeing it now is, there is a really distinct sense globally that we're all in this together. Um, you know, and I can remember even after 9-11, I was actually living out of the country at the time. And there was a, there was a sense of solidarity that came with sort of people yeah. saying like, hey, America, you know, we got your back or we, you know, we're, our hearts break with you or people all over the world that like, you know, we're flying American flags and that sense of solidarity of sort of support. But it, it was, it was more in support of like what one country was dealing with. Yeah. Um, and so that meant a lot to me when my friends in other countries were like, man, we're going to fly an American flag in your honor or something like yeah. that, you know? Absolutely. But this is this weird thing of like every country is going through the same thing and yeah. facing it and is, you know, overwhelmed by the same uncertainty, facing a lot of the same medical obstacles, certainly the economic turmoil a lot of yeah, co countries right. are facing. So, you know, our, our hope in that is that it, it really strengthens some of those bonds internationally of people like, you know yeah. what, because human trafficking is one of those causes that is distinctly international as well. Yeah. And, it, and in the same way that we need a sort of global solidarity to tackle this pandemic, you know, and if one country decided, you know, we're not going to play or a few countries decide we're not going to play by these global pandemic rules. And, you know, you had outbreaks in other countries and you can see how fast this thing spread. Yeah. Right. Like there's an understanding that, hey, we all got to do our part here or else we're just going to keep passing this thing around. Yeah. That's right. um, I think that's a huge 
um, area where the, the anti-trafficking world could, you know, and, and honestly, I, I hope from a, I know obviously there's probably a lot of pastors and church leaders listening as well of, um, that I think the church is, is in that similar boat of, you know, how, how can we be a more globally integrated, more globally minded, more globally resourced because what, what, what happens in one country so quickly spills into others. And again, that's yeah. so true in the fight against human trafficking where people are moved across borders People are trafficked from place to place or men go from one country to another to create the demand in yeah. that region. And so really building kind of international strategies to take on issues. I think that's going to be one of the big ones. And the other one, I think, hopefully, is the, the innovation piece that I talked about is hopefully we can find ways to carry that momentum forward to sort yeah. of increase the appetite for innovation in the nonprofit and sort of ministry sectors that people who are seeing nonprofits have to innovate right now to be relevant in the face of a crisis. Yeah. My hope is that they keep some of that and they don't just go back to like in six months, be like, okay, that was amazing. You innovated all this transformation. Now can we just go back to doing those like really surefire things that have zero risk? Yep. Like my hope is that For we can sure. build kind of a hybrid there. Yeah, absolutely. Man, that, that's just incredible. Love, love to hear that. And I uh, would absolutely just love to stay in touch with you, specifically what you're seeing six months, a year from now and further out to see just how this pans out and what the long-term positive impact is. I think it's going to be really remarkable, really surprising even. Uh, yeah, thank you. I mean, I honestly, for us, most of us in the fight against trafficking right now are just so excited about the opportunity to literally bring freedom to thousands and thousands of people who were trapped in brothels weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. I mean, it is a once, it is kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity that, Again, we don't we don't celebrate the pandemic. Of course, we mourn, yeah. and it's and we're all being affected by it. So it's not that you wish the pandemic, but it's like, man, if we're going to have to suffer through this thing, let's find those silver linings and let's do everything we can to bring as much good out of it. Absolutely, it doesn't get much better than what you've described so far. I think that's awesome. Well, I think that many people just listening would love to notice what it would look like to partner with you all in the season. Anything that you'd like to add along those lines? Yeah, we, we definitely need all the help we can get. Um, yeah. You know, one is, I think what you guys are doing, just sharing stories of hope for people to know that there is sure. silver lining in the midst of this. There's a lot of pain, a lot of tragedy, a lot of loss, but there's, a, there's also an incredible silver lining. Um, and, you know, inviting people into this story. Um, so you can visit us online at rescuefreedom.org or on pretty much everywhere where social media exists, at yeah. Rescue Freedom. Um, and, we, you know, we're trying to share out as much of the the stories of hope just the encouragement because i think that's one of the things like we're all drawn to those stories of good news the stories of humanity at its best um it's as everyone knows it's been a pretty divisive era in in a lot you know whether it's in politics or there's there's no shortage of areas that divide us as humanity yeah um and so we just try to put out as much as we can about stories that unite us stories that give us hope stories that give us something to fight for um, cause at the end of the day, I think it's, it's just so amazing to see Americans like when, when, when they have a cause to fight for that brings out the best in our humanity, I'm just yeah. continually amazed at the generosity that people mobilize with. Man, I'm so glad, so glad to hear that. Jeremy, thanks a ton. This has been so encouraging to me and faith stirring for me. I'm sure others listening and watching are feeling the exact same way. So appreciate these stories. Ah, oh, thanks for having me. And thanks that for everything that Subsplash is doing to get stories of hope out there just through your platform, through your tools. Uh, you guys are always finding innovative ways. Speaking of innovation and creativity, I love the way that you guys innovate to get stories of hope, uh, positive messages, life-changing testimonies out into the world. So keep it up. Oh, thanks, Jeremy. Yeah, we love it. Well, thanks again to you. Thanks everyone also just for watching, for listening, checking out Equip and Engage. 
We're going to be back with more stories just like this, where we are looking for the good in our surroundings and our communities in the world, because there's so much out there and God is at work, even in the midst of these unprecedented, unusual, and sometimes terrifying times. So thanks again for checking this out. Go ahead and follow, subscribe, wherever you like to consume podcasts, just to make sure you catch the rest of these stories. And we'll be back with more See the Good. Thanks for tuning in to Equip and Engage, where we're sharing insights learned from thousands of conversations with leaders and pastors around the world. To follow along with these conversations, subscribe today or visit our website.